You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers, bringing authentic, authoritative, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. Beverage multinationals suspend operations in Russia. Once unleashed, sanctions have an unpredictable bite, and extreme winter transitions into a gentle spring. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Kailani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Eliptia Tea Estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. Several multinational beverage companies, including Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, and Starbucks, each with a billion-dollar tea brand, announced this week that they will no longer do business in Russia. Unilever, the world's third-largest tea company, halted all Russian imports and exports and stopped advertising its entire portfolio of 400 brands, but will continue to sell food products and manufacture at five Russian facilities. Nestle, owners of Nestea, announced it is closing three factories that make powdered and liquid beverages and employ 5,000 workers. This is the first modern instance of tea companies independently retaliating with their own economic might to affect political change. Thomas L. Friedman, writing in the New York Times, explains that Russia, quote, completely underestimated the ability of companies and individuals all over the world to participate in and amplify economic sanctions on Russia, far beyond anything governments initiated or mandated, end quote. The impact of withdrawing even well-known brands like Lipton is minimal as market leaders Orimi Trade and May Foods with 42% and 20% market share, respectively, dominate the packaged goods sector. Ahmad T and Unilever Actera each have about a 6% share, down from 10% in 2010. Avalon and Akbar are well-established niche brands with single-digit market share. Azurke, at 5% market share, is experiencing fast growth in specialty retail and grocery. 
Chinese tea brands, mainly marketing green and oolong teas, can be found in specialty tea shops, and local brands like Krasdenar are popular in Sochi. Russians spent about 50 billion rubles last year on packaged tea in supermarkets, excluding hotels, resorts, and traditional retail shops and tea rooms, according to Nielsen. Open markets account for 15% of sales, with 20% sold in convenience outlets. Market research firm Market Analyst estimates that 98% of Russians drink tea. Like bread and milk, tea is viewed as an essential. Brand owners say government directives discourage grocers from increasing prices. It's not that fast a process, explained one brand owner, who was astounded to see price adjustments within a week after sanctions were announced. Western imposed sanctions triggered a 30% devaluation of the ruble in five days to a record low of less than a U.S. cent. Rules controlling prices and limiting purchases to prevent hoarding did not list tea. Retailers, however, agreed to limit markups to 5% on dairy, baked goods, and sugar. Removing European and U.S. tea brands from the market will not significantly reduce consumption, but sanctions make tea shortages a certainty. The fact that 97% of Russia's tea arrives by ship means stocks will soon be depleted. Moscow-based brand managers say the standard practice is to stock warehouses at 200% of monthly demand. Ships en route, if they all reach port, carry 60 days replenishment. The interruption of ships in the past two weeks guarantees shortfalls by July. Unlike grain harvests, not enough tea is sold at auction to make direct shipment profitable for even the smallest container carriers. Buyers can expect fewer ships and probably smaller ships docking in Russia making it likely that finding the right carrier and port for delivery will be a challenge. Moscow brand owners say they are discussing many different schemes, quote, but risks are high. You'll never know before you try it how it's all going to work out, end quote. Business Insight. Russians are not rich, earning a per capita average of 11700 U.S. last year, down from the pre-pandemic average of 12100 a year, according to the World Bank statistics. A July 2021 consumer survey showed that 60% of respondents spend half their monthly income on food. The country's per capita average is deceptive as workers in only 10 of 80 economic regions achieve parity with countries in Eastern Europe. Russians living in the far west in Siberia earn the equivalent of 5000 per year U.S. Inflation has further eroded purchasing power. Many of those living within the Russian Federation's economic zone were unaware of what caused the catastrophic decline in the value of the ruble last week. Two weeks ago, a Russian family of four living in Moscow could live comfortably spending 250,000 rubles a month. 
In one week, the devaluation of the ruble reduced an entire year's wages to the equivalent of 22,500 U.S. dollars. Sanctions are precise on paper, but messy in practice. The U.S.-led sanctions imposed on the Russian Federation following the invasion of Ukraine include 1,200 pages of detail, not a word of which bans the sale of tea. In fact, tea is listed as an essential foodstuff, exempt from restraints imposed on the sale of manufactured goods like advanced aircraft, computer chips, and some commodities. Yet sanctions immediately depressed the price of tea at major auctions, significantly raised retail prices due to the devaluation of the ruble, and delayed shipments to Russia, which gets 97% of its tea by sea. Food companies that own tea brands, including Unilever, Starbucks, Nestle, Coke, and PepsiCo, are free to choose where they do business. Rarely do they respond in unison. Suspension of goods and services as an expression of moral outrage driven by consumers makes it unlikely to abate while Ukraine is under siege. Isolating the world's 11th largest economy financially is an expensive endeavor for all concerned. It's also an unprecedented exercise of soft power that has forced tea-trading nations to choose sides. The divide was first visible as the United Nations voted to condemn the invasion and demand the immediate withdrawal of Russian forces. Nations that abstain, including four of the tea-producing countries that supply Russia with most of its tea. These include Sri Lanka, India, Vietnam, and China. Kenya, the third largest supplier, and Indonesia voted in favor of the resolution. Payment issues appear to be a greater impediment than transport, but it seems that fewer ships, and probably smaller ships docking in Russia, will make finding the right carrier and port for delivery of tea difficult. Ports in Ukraine are considered too high risk. Shippers pay up front in hard currency, unavailable now to Russian buyers. Tea suppliers in China or India may accept yuan or rupees, but ocean freight rates are typically paid in U.S. dollars unless a government sympathetic to Russia intervenes. Barter may be more practical. Russia is the biggest exporter of wheat by a significant margin. Ukraine supplies 10% of the global market. Together, they annually ship 30% of the world's grain. As the price of wheat soars, there could be a return to the Soviet days when India bartered for food. Russian fertilizer is another essential commodity critical to India and Sri Lanka. While India ships greater quantities of tea to Russia, Sri Lanka earns far more foreign exchange dollars per kilo. This week, Sri Lanka, which is low on foreign reserves, devalued its currency to attract investors in hopes of paying down $4 billion in debts due in July. Origins willing to ship cheap tea without concern for foreign exchange dollars hold an advantage. Low-priced tea from Tanzania, Burundi, and Uganda 
may find Russian buyers in Mombasa, but transport remains an issue. Finding carriers willing to send vessels to Russian ports, where they will be subject to lengthy inspections for contraband, will be a challenge. The largest carriers, representing the majority of container bookings, announced they will no longer call on Russian ports. Uncertainties over payments, insurance rates, and wartime risk make the largest ships more profitably employed elsewhere. China will not adhere to sanctions, which removes transport and transaction obstacles for Vietnam, but green teas account for only 15% of Russian tea sales. Thirty years ago, Georgia produced millions of kilos of black tea, some of which was quite good. In the 1980s, collectives employed 180,000 workers, producing 152,000 metric tons annually, enough to supply 95% of the Soviet Union's tea. Considerable acreage of seed-grown stock remains. Production in the last decade has increased from a low of 1,800 metric tons in 2014 to more than 4,000 metric tons. But much of that is blended, as labeling laws require that only 20% of the tea be grown in Georgia. As imports dwindle, vendors at local markets will simply stop selling tea once their supplies are exhausted. But the larger packaged goods brands will need to bring in hundreds of containers. A container holds 22.5 metric tons of tea. It seems unlikely that Russian tea suppliers will be able to land 6,200 containers or about 120 containers a week to meet current demand. Last winter brought a five-year high in extreme weather events to India as heavy snow blanketed Darjeeling and cold weather sent shivers through Assam. Spring so far has been kind. India's meteorological department predicts that North India will receive normal precipitation through the first half of the year. South India is expected to be wetter than normal. Quote, Currently, moderate La Nina conditions are prevailing over the equatorial Pacific region. The latest forecast indicates that these La Nina conditions are likely to persist through March. Thereafter, La Nina conditions are likely to start weakening. End quote. Last year, erratic weather patterns stressed tea plants in Assam and West Bengal. Seasonal transitions that in past years were gradual are now more abrupt, according to professional weather watchers. Average maximum temperatures were higher last year, and there were fewer rainy days. But when it rained, it poured, flooding Assam gardens on several occasions after months of drought. Last fall, IMD recorded 125 extreme weather events. Winter temperatures were unusually low. New Delhi saw its coldest day in January in nine years at 10 degrees below normal. Delhi also experienced 88.2 millimeters of rain that month. IMD recorded 125 extreme weather incidents last fall, 
Winter temperatures were unusually low. New Delhi saw its coldest day in January in nine years at 10 degrees below normal. New Delhi also experienced 88.2 millimeters of rain, including one record downpour that month. January rainfall totals were the highest since 1950. In December, Darjeeling experienced the heaviest snowfall in 15 years as temperatures fell to negative 2 degrees centigrade. Ironically, last year was the fifth warmest 12-month period since 1901, averaging 0.44 degrees Celsius above normal. Arvindan and Theraman in Bengaluru reports on this week's tea auction prices. India Tea Price Report for the week ending March 5th, 2022. The Russian invasion of Ukraine and the sanctions against Russia are being viewed with concern by the Indian tea industry. The mood of the last auction was understandably subdued. In Kochi, exporters were barely active. The average price of orthodox leaf dropped by about 10 rupees per kilo, which is significant given that 229 tons were sold. Exporters are waiting to see if shipments will be able to arrive at the destination ports. Many liners are refusing to carry cargo to Russian ports. The other concern is of payments being blocked because of sanctions against Russia. India is relying on its domestic industry and also looking at developing alternative export markets in Iraq, Saudi Arabia, the United States, Japan and Tunisia. In auctions, North India saw auctions only in Guwahati. In the south, all three auction centers had a sale. And now, a word from our sponsor. Q-Trade understands that a successful tea blend goes beyond the creative fusion of appearance, aroma, and flavor. Our multi-award winning product development team is passionate about converting natural ingredients into sensory experiences that customers crave. Every recipe is formulated with a commercial backbone of dependable quality sourcing with a pricing structure that supports a safe, regulated, profitable, and scalable blend. Q-Trade meets every brand's retail, food service, and e-commerce need. For more information, visit our website, qtradetees.com. This week, TBiz travels to the UK offices of the International Tea Committee, where Chairman Ian Gibbs describes several immediate and possibly long-term impacts on the global tea trade stemming from the ongoing crisis in Ukraine. During a period of upheaval caused by the pandemic, The tea industry's newest worries include guaranteeing payment for containers of tea without violating sanctions while booking scarce carriers for shipments to the Russian Federation and Ukraine. As the value of the ruble collapsed, Russian tea buyers accustomed to favorable credit terms now find it difficult to secure the financing needed to pay up front, according to Ian Gibbs, chairman since 2016 of the International Tea Committee. Gibbs predicts a dip, but not a big drop in the volume of sales shipped to the third most valuable tea market in the world. In 2020, the Russian Federation imported 142,000 metric tons of tea, valued at more than $400 million, and produced an additional 4,000 metric tons of its own tea, grown in southern Russia along the coast of the Black Sea, near Sochi. 
Welcome to the T-Biz Podcast, Ian. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me to join you. Ian, will you help our listeners put the impact of the invasion of Ukraine into perspective? How will a prolonged crisis impact the global trade in tea? Initially, it's going to be quite a a sort of frightening situation for some of the growers. It's undoubtedly going to affect some producers more than others. India is probably likely to be the hardest hit. They export 39,000 tonnes, which represents of all their exports. Sri Lanka, on the other hand, exports a little less, um, 30,000 tonnes. But this only represents 11% of their total exports. Go to Kenya, uh, exported 25,000 tonnes to Russia in 2020. But this represents less than 5% of Kenya's total exports. Indonesia and India both exporting 19% of their exports to Russia could both be hit than the others. Tea is regarded as an essential product. It's a foodstuff. Tea will be exempt from sanctions. However, the producers will still have the issues of finance, insurance, and shipping. Because many shipping lines, regardless of what's being shipped, will not be shipping to Russia. Unlike previous times when sanctions have been applied, I think that the general feeling in this case worldwide is that people across the board from government through companies to individuals really want to see sanctions work because they have been badly affected, if seen on the television and on the internet. It's going to be quite a challenging task, I think, for exporters to get anything into Russia in the coming weeks. The other problem, of course, is a lot of producers are providing quite long credit lines, and so they wait to be paid once the tea has arrived. And they will insist on payment up front, which means that the individual tea companies in Russia are going to have to find and source the, the finance, and this could change the whole dynamic of the tea market in Russia, depending on which companies have the facilities available to them to fund the imports of tea. This also means that the importing companies are going to be taking the long risk as we go forward. Will black tea producers who are concerned over price and settlement of payments cut production, or will tea previously destined for Russia find its way to other markets? I think that quite a lot of tea will still get through. We're talking about 142 million kilos. I think a lot of producers will want to make sure that their businesses, which, I mean, tea is a crucial part of these economies, that that is not badly affected. There will be um, an interruption, and there's no doubt about it that some of the tea will not get through, although they will not be able to buy all the quantity, and there will be a dip in this coming year and for as long as sanctions remain. And let's hope that it's a a, a very short period. But I think that there are plenty of other opportunities. There are plenty of untapped markets out there 
which we need to get into. There is no reason why producers should cut their harvest or, or stop producing tea. What they've got to do is find the new markets and they've got to market the tea in these places. So when Russia comes back, that'll be a, an added boost to them. Of course, it's going to take time to find these markets and get these um, sales. But I believe that there's no reason why there, sh- there should be a long-term effect on producers. Will this crisis soon pass, or do you foresee years of sanctions that permanently disrupt the current alignment of the tea supply chain? Everyone wants the whole problem solved very, very quickly. The amount of damage already done in Ukraine means that the effects of this invasion are going to be felt for a very long time. It's going to take some time to rebuild Ukraine and for trust to be restored between Ukraine and Russia and all the other parties involved. However, I do think that foodstuffs will be restored fairly quickly. And I don't believe that in the long term, there will be a major disruption. One thing at the moment, in the short term, that is quite good news for tea, is, is that the price of coffee has gone up considerably over the last year. So more people might be encouraged to drink tea. So demand will be there. And I believe the government of um, Russia will be keen to make sure that people get their tea. It's going to take time to settle down. But I, as far as the tea industry is concerned, I personally believe what we're seeing now is a blip. It'll take time to sort things out. But new opportunities invariably are out there. Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and tea experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.